hello. You are now tuned in to Out of the Dust, Sacramento State's first ever public history podcast. I am one of your many student hosts, Francis Macias, and I'm Angelica Hall, and this is The Life and Art of Rupa Sawa, part of Out of the Dust, Out of the Archives oral history series, featuring highlights from the special collections and university archives' extensive collection of oral histories. So, Angelica, Dr. Dim has mentioned to us that we've been getting uh, more and more listeners, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I was thinking that maybe we should give our possible diehard listeners, <laughs> maybe we should give them a nickname. Okay, what are you thinking? Well, we are out of the dust, so I was thinking, like, maybe we should start calling our listeners dust bunnies or something. <laughs> That's cute. I like that. Yeah. So anyways, uh, thank you to our Dust Bunny listeners. <laughs> we appreciate all the support that you guys have given us. So before we begin, we'd like to mention that there's currently an exhibit running in the university library called City of Refuge, Refugees in Sacramento, 1975 to Present. It's curated by Dr. Patrick Ettinger and runs from April 9th to April 26th. And it features a number of items and and text dealing with the, ex- the refugee experience in Sacramento, particularly the Southeast Asian populations. So while we went to go visit Dr. Edinger's exhibit the other day, we were excited to see one of the artifacts that we mentioned in our previous podcast. It's actually on display. It is the Vietnamese refugee uh, handbag that we talked about. And I thought that was pretty exciting to see. There's also a Hmong story quilt there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I thought that was pretty exciting uh, to see as well. And we just wanted to congratulate Dr. Edinger on all of his hard work in putting that exhibit together. Yeah, it looks pretty great. In today's episode, we'll be listening to excerpts from the oral history of Ruth Asawa Lanier. And in case I didn't pronounce that correctly, I'm going to spell out the name for you. It's Ruth, A-S-A-W-A, and L-A-N-I-E-R. And she's a renowned California-born sculptor and art activist. Uh, This oral history interview was conducted by Joanne Iritani on April 7th, 2000 at Ruth Asawa's home in San Francisco as part of the Florin Japanese American Citizens League Oral History Project. The Florin chapter of the JACL compiled an amazing collection of oral history of Japanese American attorneys. And while you listen to the oral history of Ruthasawa, you can also follow along with a transcript from the library. When I first saw this transcript, I totally started geeking out because it is a published transcript that features uh, photos of Ruthasawa's work and photos of her family. And it has like a timeline of her life and a map of her work in San Francisco. And for me, as a student who has conducted an oral history, I just think this this transcript is so well done. It is, and it's one of many of Japanese-American oral histories available in the library and special collections and university archives. Asawa's parents, Haru Yasuda and Umakichi Asawa, immigrated to the United States in the early 20th century from Fukushima, Japan. Her father, Umakichi, emigrated from Japan in 1905 to avoid conscription into the Russo-Japanese War. Her mother, Haru, didn't arrive until 14 years later when she came to the United States as a picture bride. 
The couple settled in Norwalk, California, where they raised a family. Ruth Asawa was born in 1926 and is the fourth of seven children born to the Japanese-American family. At an early age, Asawa had an independent streak that developed into an interest in the arts. However, her ability to pursue art is limited to what was available at her home and the local public school. In the clip, we are going to play Ruth and Joanne talk about Ruth's independence and how she explored art as a child. Do you remember as a child when uh, you wanted to draw? It was it wasn't so much. I don't think it was a desire to be an artist so much as not wanting people to tell me what to do. You know, it's a, <laughs> the it's independence. A yeah, you. I didn't. I didn't like to follow directions. I didn't like to. Do, you know, I didn't. Didn't like my sister to tell me what to do, uh, how to be, and how to behave. I just wanted to do it. And the only place that you can show some independence is in art, because no, no one is going to tell you what to do at that time. The Asawas continued their life in the United States as a typical farming family, with the children alternating between attending school and working with their parents. Then on December 7, 1941, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, setting into motion a series of events that would culminate in the internment of over 100,000 Japanese Americans, approximately 80,000 of whom were born in the United States. Though the Asawa family was among those forcibly relocated during the war, Ruth Asawa continued to pursue her love of art through the internment. So now your family uh, was preparing to, uh, well, your father was taken by the FBI. Yeah, he was, he, he, we didn't know where he was for a long time. But my sister, in talking to her, she was always in contact. She never told us. Oh. But she knew that he was in Topanka, Topanka uh -huh. Canyon right. for a while. And then ships uh -huh. around. And finally, he went to Lordsburg, New Mexico. And we were, we were, uh, we knew, then, so we were. So there was him. more contact. And then. there was a man named Mr. Takeuchi who used to, he could write. So he wrote letters to in us English. in English, translated because Japanese language was illegal. Right, write. right. So he wrote in English and he uh -huh. sent a letter, letters to me when I was a, a student. Uh, you were, um, well, you first went into uh, uh, Santa Anita in mm -hmm. probably May. I was 15 think? or 16. Were, was it already May by then? Yes, it was May. Uh -huh. May we went up there. Right. And we stayed there until September. Uh -huh. and, then, and then we were shipped to Roar, Arkansas. Roar, okay. Uh -huh. So, um, first, uh, Santa Anita was a racetrack. Right. Uh -huh. And, uh, and we I, lived in one of the first, one of the first stables. Oh, you and were in one of those stables, too. Yes, we had two together. Cause you, we had, the, your whole were, family. There were, there were seven of us. Uh-huh. So we got two. And, uh, uh. How large were those, um, rooms? 
Oh, they were very small. They were. It was just for a horse. Stall for a horse. Yeah. And And double door. Double door. Yeah. Uh Dutch door. Right. And um, the two rooms held all the beds. The cots. We had cots. And we had stuff our our mattresses. Your mattress with straw. Uh huh. Yeah. And. uh, How. So many people have told me about those stalls. Uh-huh. Uh huh. About how they were just quite washed. They say up. you could even see where the the uh, spiders and the flies were quite washed down onto the <laughs> wall. And, well. and 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 the horses, the hair, the hair would be in the in the cracks. Right. Where where the horse yeah. scratched. Was it awfully so, smelly for you? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, it was just like being in the, in the still horse. in the stall. Yeah, right. With the horse. Yeah. Did and Did you ever work while you were in either camp? Uh, no, I didn't. I went to I. There were there was camouflage nets that we oh, could yes. make for for uh, South Pacific, right. or we could go to school. Oh. And and the and college students became our teachers, uh-huh. and and people from Disney Studios taught. I mean, they were they were intern interns. They were so they became teachers for oh. us. So we had wonderful teachers. You had yeah. art class. Yeah, Tom Okamoto taught taught drawing uh-huh. and figure drawing and. I think Ben, Ta- was, ben Tanaka was some one, and, and that was part. Uh, that was part of the uh, classes, regular high school classes. Yeah, they were informal, but, but they had the classes in the bleachers. When Asawa graduated from the Rower Relocation Center High School, she was allowed to leave the internment camp to attend college. She decided to pursue a career as a teacher but was denied that opportunity due to anti-Japanese sentiments Americans held at the time. Despite the obstacles she faced, Ruth Asawa found a home for her fiercely independent spirit in an unconventional college setting. My brothers and sisters went to a Quaker college. They were they were invited to go to a Quaker college in Iowa. I didn't want I didn't want to go there. So I went off to, again. You were Miss Independent. <laughs> I went to Milwaukee, uh-huh. and, and that was the University of Milwaukee. Or? No, it was called Milwaukee State Teachers College oh. then. Remember, Teachers College. Oh yeah. Separate from from the university. Uh-huh. So it was called that. Now it's the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. Oh, I see. It's a huge campus, and they. La- uh, 1998, they gave me my degree. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> because in I went there and I was ready to practice teach. I went for three years and practice. They, they wouldn't let me practice teach because they wouldn't. They said they couldn't place me because of the war. Oh, uh huh. It was 1946. It yeah, was war was over. But they couldn't, they still couldn't. Felt that they could they not place could not you place as, me as because, a teacher. Because the sentiment was uh-huh, still yes. pretty 
pretty it bad. It was there, yeah. still there. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to another school. I went to Black Mountain College, which was an experimental art college in North Carolina. Oh, I got where? Where is that in North that's Carolina? That's in North Carolina. It's at Black Mountain. It's called Black Mountain College at yeah. Black Mountain, North Carolina. It was a small little. On the west side of North Carolina, uh, you know where Asheville is. Oh, okay. Asheville, it's about 15 miles from Asheville. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I think it's in the western part of the state. It's, a, isn't it's it? still. A, it sounds no. like Asheville would be on the west. Well, the 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 college lasted 24 years. Oh, it's not there no, anymore. No, it's not there anymore. Uh, experimental. Experimental. <laughs> Non-accredited. Oh. It didn't. It didn't guarantee anything yeah. for you, but but it was a good education. Uh, I I had a wonderful time there. And so, uh, did you graduate from there too? No, there was no no, no they, graduation. No graduation. They uh. they give you a, a little test, but but that I mean, was it. But I mean, a, an interview like. But it was not a credit, so so it, they wouldn't they wouldn't give me a degree. I was only going to go for one summer to Black Mountain, but I stayed three years and I spent two summers there uh -huh. in Milwaukee. Uh -huh. And um, after you finished all those years. Uh -huh. You were by now into I, your twenties. I was, I was there. I, I had gone nonstop to college, to except, except when I went to to Mexico, which I went to school there. Seven years. Mm -hmm. I had seven years of college then. Right. By then, seven and a half years of college and no degree. Where did you get? And where did you meet your husband? Well, at school. Oh, he was, he, was, he was a student, student at Milwaukee. No, at, at Black Mountain. Oh, he, he was another Black Mountain uh, he, student. He came from the South. He came uh, from Georgia Tech. From Georgia. And, oh, he had he completed uh No, study? no, no. He had studied many years in architecture and engineering and that. But then he came to Black Mountain and Black Mountain... Uh, in between, I mean, he didn't get a degree, and so neither of us had a, had a degree uh -huh. then when we went to Black Mountain. And at Black Mountain is where I met some wonderful people. Yeah. Probably uh, you met people who were much more open and independent, just as you were. They were, they were all. They were all. I mean, Merce Cunningham had just left his dance company, Martha Graham, and oh. he was starting his his company. John Cage was experimenting with music, and and, and William De Kooning was was experimenting with painting, and so and it, Robert you say experimental. Was, yeah, school. was a student, and Ken Kenneth Nolan was a student, and, and so. All the people who were just kind of searching for something were at Black Mountain. So in that environment, I had a wonderful environment of, 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 of learning, learning, 
learn to be bold, to be yes. unafraid, <laughs> unafraid yes. of, of failure or whatever, whatever it was. And so, so it was, it was great. It was a great lesson for me. After departing Black Mountain College, Asawa married fellow artist Albert Lanier in San Francisco, where she established herself in a number of media but became best known for her work in metal. She was particularly noted for her delicately intricate woven wire sculptures inspired by the work of Mexican basket weavers. But she also, she also gained a number of public commissions within the city. You want to go ahead and tell us how your artwork is developing at this point, what you were doing. Well, in 1950, we, I had just come back, just come back from, uh, from Blackburn College and, and there were a lot of, a lot of ideas about designing lamps and design fabric and all of that had you know, sort of not gel, but sort of the it's right in right yeah, in my the head. Ideas that the were ideas there. were that I I had I had gotten from Black Mountain. I would, I wanted to to transfer to to practical use. Something that we learned at Black Mountain is that that it is it's just as important to do your work, your artwork, as it is to be responsible for your community. For your community. Very good. So you have to make it all blend so that Uh one doesn't, uh, you know, overrule the other. You know, you have to balance it. You have to balance what you want to do yourself with with what you have to do with your children or with your neighbors or with the community. That's a great huh? philosophy. And you're it living it. <laughs> yeah, and you're living it. Yes. Uh, and so you created all these things and uh, you continue to create. Yes. And you've had showings in various well, places. Well, in San Francisco I have I have about six Six public works. I have at Uriel Square. I have a fountain, uh-huh. and I have one at Fox Plaza, which is a little fountain. And then I have one at Bayside Plaza, which is at Howard and Embarcadero. It's a, a it's a fountain there. Uh-huh. And then I have one two in Nihomachi in Japantown uh-huh. at the Buchanan Mall. Two two fountains there, oh. and then um, and then I have one at Park Fifty Five, which is a hotel at Fifth and Market. It's fourteen by sixty feet long. Oh. It's a huge wall. I did of of San Francisco. It's called San Francisco Past and Present. Oh. It's sort of the history of San Francisco. You enter Gongi Park. Gate Bridge, and you go along along the waterfront, and, and you end up at the at the ocean. Ruth Asawa's deep love of art and her experiences at Black Mountain College shaped her life's philosophy. She emphasized the importance of integrating art and community, and making art accessible to everyone. 
Angelica and I are big fans of Ruth Asawa's work, and one of my favorite art, art installations that is easily accessible to the public is her Andrea statue that is located at Ghirardelli Square in San Francisco, California. Her work features two mermaids holding their children and is made of cast bronze. I like that one. And if you're interested in seeing some of her wire sculptures, there are 15 in the DeYoung's Educational Tower in San Francisco. And that museum, it's open to the public. And that tower is for, is open free of charge to anyone who wants to visit. And if you want to visit the main museum, then if you bring your student ID, it's six bucks. I'm just, I love plugging student discounts. So <laughs> I figured it's good information to have. Yeah, so make sure you check out Ruth Asawa's work at the DeYoung Museum. And thank you to our Dust Bunnies for tuning into Out of the Dust. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Mm-hmm.